Hello everyone and welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week uh, where the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics in Australian rugby. I'm Reg Roberts, and just like Jake and Elwood Blues, we're getting the band back together. As this week, we've both got Hugh and Matt back. How are you, Matt? Oh, great, mate. Good to be back in the chair. Excellent. And Hugh, to you too. How are you, mate? I'm good, good. Good to have those established combinations back and working well. (laughs) It's the Ben Darwin theory of podcasting. (laughs) We're just not doing the success. Do we disprove the rule? I think we've broken his, his theory. Well, he, do, he did say it takes about three years to get that combination going, so I'm not too sure how we three have been going, if we've been going three years yet, but give us stick with us, guys. Oh, God, we've been going for like about seven, is what it feels like, anyway. <laughs> um, now, guys, obviously Wallabies opened their test season with a win uh, over Fiji last weekend, and this week we faced the Scots. So, similar to last week's question, guys, I want your favourite Scottish rugby memory at the top here. Matt, you got one? Well... <laughs> <laughs> there, there is one that's a long way, a long time ago. So when I was, I went to uni in, in the UK, in England, and um, we, oh, here we go, we, Tabasco <laughs> sauce involved. Yeah. In this well, this one time with this it was three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I, I just remember getting along to some uh, a couple of famous Scottish victories in those sort of um, early nineties uh, there, um, when Scotland um, used to have um, like quite a like they used to quite often turn over the, the, the English, which is always great to see. So there's some very blurry memories back then. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can give you my favourite memory, but I can just tell you I'll just never forget in that Rugby World Cup, um, was it the quarter? Um, yep. just, just gone. And when it started to kind of rain um, in those last 20 minutes, it's just me just going, oh my God, that's it, it's over. There's just no, yeah, way, yeah. There's no way we can win this now. It just, it just felt like fate had conspired against us I could, you know it was like it was yesterday unfortunately yep yep all right Hugh what about you mate yeah I've got to expand on that from Matt I mean that quarter final was I don't think I'll ever forget I think the exact split second when James Slipper threw that sort of <laughs> loopy pass <laughs> and you could just see you know it, uh, you didn't even need the bloke was 10 steps away but you just knew what was going to happen a hundred percent you know it was all in slow motion and then it started to piss down right i mean i still don't know how we got away with that game i'd say it's, it's it was just i was pacing around my living room at about four in the morning you know just wanting to scream but not wanting to wake my housemates that was asleep in the next room oh, it yeah. was uh yeah I don't think I'll ever forget that. Oh, lovely, love it. Look, I had to go outside uh, a true, I guess, a Scottish moment, particularly, um, but I've been sucked into this Lions feel and I'm re-watching that Living with the Lions from the 97 tour and, and that Jim Telfer, who was the assistant coach to Ian McGeek and Telfer, a former Scots uh, player and, and a coach himself, um, but he when he gives that pre-match speech, the Everest speech, and if you haven't heard it, just... just YouTube search Jim Telfer Everest, and it is inspiring. I, I love it. It's a it's a great moment. It still still sparks, tingles up the spine. It's such a such an inspiring speech. And what, what's again, the, um, what's the gist, mate? Give it to us. I need a bit of inspiration. Oh, I need a bit of motivation mate, right now. 
there is no way I could do it credit, but it, it is purely it's his, it's his, I think it's before the first test, test match, and he kicks everyone out of the room except for the film crew, obviously. But it's just the forward pack, and he's just talking to them, and it's about this is your Everest lads, you know, and how this is it all culminates in what they're about to to walk out to. I think it's the Friday before the game sort of thing, and you can just see the intensity. And mate, it's not rehearsed. I mean, it's probably clearly rehearsed, but it is just so genuine, and the players are just hooked on everything he's saying. And it was just such, it was just true old school rugby coaching. I loved it. That's fantastic. Yeah, you'll Google that one. All right, quick quiz for you guys before we get into our five burning questions. I knew you enjoyed it last week so much. And Matt, you missed out, and I know you love my quizzes. Mm. So, so we're talking about the Wallabies. The back, last, mate. yeah, the, exactly the last time the Scots played in Australia versus the Wallabies was that 2012 game in Newcastle. Wallabies had six debutants that night. I want you to name them. Oh, sorry, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six. Wait, so what six. was the date again? Sorry. So 2012. Oh, okay. So this, this is the this pouring the rain game. Newcastle game. So exactly. I'm pretty sure Luke Morahan made his debut in that game. Bang on at fullback. Holy hell! Yeah. Um, and that's the only memory I have because he was the one that almost. Yes. 2012. Oh, I don't five years ago. Over um, the only other run I remember is that Matty Hodgson in that space blanket with hypothermia. <laughs> but wasn't that in Ireland? Wasn't that? That was in Ireland, Ireland, so that wasn't this game. Oh right? no, that's right. That was that wasn't in this. Still, um, so I'll give you a clip. One of the players will be playing, well, at least played for the Wallabies on the weekend. I assume he'll play this weekend as well. One of the debutants made his first appearance off the bench in this game. Holy hell! So, so you've got Luke Morahan. There's two other outside, or there's two other backs who made his debut. Two forwards who made their debut, and this uh, forward off the bench, back row off the bench. Right, was it Higgins? No, he started, but it wasn't his debut. Kurandrani was later than that. Um, yeah, he was a bit. I'm trying to think of people that that played on the weekend. This is a real tough one, isn't it? Uh. I've blotted the memory of this game Yeah, out exactly, of- that's right. So so I'll give you another clue. So one of the starting outside back debutants, you've got Luke Morahan, another on the wing, one of my favourite players, one of green and gold rugby. Peter Hines? No, no. My, one of my favourite players to pronounce. Think of the godfather. Oh, Joe Timone. Yep, Joe Timone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who else is playing this weekend that could be possibly... I mean, it's, so, it's such a new team. It's hard to imagine there's that many people. Sam Carter? No, he wasn't there. He made that debut in the... Was it the next right. He played that against France. Versus France in 2014 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Came off the bench for us on the weekend, but... I mean, it can't I'm, be Spade. Like, um, it, not, can't not be Spade. Spade. No. it can't be Haylet Petty, surely not. He didn't start in that game, surely. No, he played the Lions. He did the boot against That's the Lions. Right. Yeah, the next year. Uh, so you got Morahan and Tamani. We had an inside back, goal-kicking inside back who scored all our points that night. Oh. Uh, oh Beric Barnes. No. no. Wait, it wasn't Gitto. Years ago. I've, I've got confused about debutants, Matt. We've got to think debutants. No. We can't just name players now. Oh, no, just him missing against Scotland in the rain. That's all. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about um, God inside back. Who... Queensland red on the back of our success in eleven and twelve. No way, Quade Cooper. Did he really? Say no, that? no. Stunningly good looking. He's now off in France. 
had a bit of time with the Rebels. Oh. Born, born in New Zealand. People are shouting at you. Mike Harris. Yeah. Mikey uh, Mike Harris, of course, yes. Oh, he did. He, right. he was a dead-eyed dick, wasn't he, with his kicking? He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what, So he started at 12 with Barnes playing at, at, at fly half. And then in the back row, so we had Higginbotham at eight. Pocock was captain at open side. And we had a, a Waratah debuting on the side of the scrum there at six. Um, he, too, has just been successful winning a trophy uh, Dave, Dennis. Dave Dennis. Dave yeah. Dennis, exactly. And then off the bench, our captain from the weekend, Mikey, Mikey Hooper. Hooper. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, this is my, I'm not, I'll, my only clue for the last one. Front row forward, made his test debut, would never play another test for Australia. Holy hell. That's a front row forward. Um, oh, it's not the hooker. No, Steve Moore was hooker. Um, what province did he represent? Brumbies. Oh, oh. not man. No, because um, yeah, uh, Ray played overseas. Um, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, I've I've drawn a blank here, Reg. Where does he Harry- play now? His career. He doesn't play. He retired soon after, and I think he's now coaching the Brumbies or assistant coaching the Brumbies. No Scrums way. Scrums coach, forwards coach. He's now skinny as Dan, hell. Exactly, Dan did Palmer. He, did he only ever play Dan one? Palmer? Did he yeah. only ever play one test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great scrummaging saviour of our nation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that, that's quite a bit of history in that test, isn't there? Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, um, uh, they, uh, they got a lot of debutants, and you know, Sitalaki Tamani was only playing his second test in that second row, and you know, um, uh, there's a lot of inexperience. Anthony Fainga was the outside centre, and yeah, interesting little test there. Yeah. Sharpie was still playing at 100 odd tests, so that must have been close to his last season. But anyway, oh, like right. those little throwbacks for you. Well, it does, and it just demonstrates to the listeners why they tune in. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here, me and you scratch around, suggesting this, you know this uh, is a dynamite segment, isn't it? Every week, it, people can't wait. Uh, to was to the Emma really the Emma brothers, was it then? Uh, <laughs> and let's yeah. just congratulate all those listeners who are still listening Matt to Gitto, us at the moment. So. Gitto, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's get on to our burning questions. Oh, then, okay. Owen Owen didn't he? <laughs> Um, our first burning question, and we'll go through them before we come back to them. So first one is, what mark do we give the Wallabies out of 10 for their performance over Fiji? Number two, who was a standout individual Wallaby performance of the game? Question three, we're going to bring in a special guest, uh, Dave Leslie from the Thistle Podcast, will join us for uh, question three. back from Scotland this weekend. He'll stay around for us, the Lions. We're going to talk about the Lions in question four. Uh, is it panic stations for the Lions just yet? And finally, question five, what other international performances from the weekend caught our eye? So let's get straight to it. First test of the year, Wallabies win uh, 37 to 14. Matt Rowley, what do you give us at a 10 and what were your impressions of the performance? Look, I'm going to give it a six. Um, yep. You know, I think it was, you know, it was above average. Uh, I realised, you know, at the end of the day, you put 37 points on a test team these days um, isn't, you know, isn't easy anymore. Um, I thought they showed some nice flashes. Um, I thought we saw some, you know, some good attacking play. Defence wasn't 
an absolute shocker, um, which we've been worried about. And actually, these guys showed that they could offload, and they played a bit of rugby, the Fijians. Um, so, yeah, so overall there, I kind of, you know, give it sort of, you know, that 6 out of 10. And I I thought it was that hit out that we really needed last year, <laughs> These this, this test series. I mean, it just showed the guys being able to get some f- sort of uh, fluency together. One of the ones, things that I think... Um, Czech said several times, which was very interesting um, hearing him when he was being interviewed during the game, was that, you know, he was really looking for some work rate. And I thought, you know, probably we'll get on to the next question, but you know, there was quite a few players in there who I thought you know, really stood up from that perspective um, and put a bit of work rate in, both in um, attack and defence. So that was good. So yeah, I just thought it was like a, a good sort of, you know, honest you know, hit out, if you like, um, sort of uh, uh, across the park. It was just, you know, good to see the guys getting destroyed. Yeah, what about you, Hugh? Do you give it any more, any less? Yeah, I'd go, I'd go a seven. I, I think mm. um, I think people underestimate Fiji generally. I think someone on the forum had a really good stat that um, I think other than England, I think, who put 51 on them at the end of last year, Fiji haven't conceded more than 40 points since something like 2012. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, okay. So I think people have this... No, but I think that's the thing. I think people have this sort of old mindset of Fiji that, well, you know, in 15s, they're not much chop and, and uh, you know, they, they cobble together a side and generally get beaten. And, and actually, that's not the case. And, and they feel it a really experienced side and, and especially some bulk in that forward pack. And I, I was really pleased with how we, we uh, established our authority in the first 15 minutes, really took the uh, the game away from the Fijians and, and then... Uh, uh, backed it with our defence and, and, and came away uh, with, with a pretty comfortable win in the end. And, and those combinations are starting to build. I think that back line looks very, very good indeed. Very well balanced with, uh, um, you know, a lot of pace out wide, but also skill, some physicality there as well. Um, I, I'm really liking the look at that. I think there's still some levers that we can pull in our forward pack. But, you know, I, I think um, for a first hit out, where we're normally pretty scratchy and... and um, Against a, a pretty a, a team that can hit you hard if you make any mistakes, I, I think that's a seven out of ten effort, and and um, I, I think they should be fairly happy with how it all went. Yeah, okay, I think you're a little generous, or maybe I'm a little harsh. I I put it closer to Matt. So I had about five point five for whatever reason. I I thought a five is a pass, and I think we're a little bit above the pass. But hearing you, you, you make it pretty compelling case there. Can I start with Fiji? I was really quite impressed with them. I mean, and I guess I guess more from an individual player perspective. Um, Nakarawa, the, the massive lock, the sevens play, won gold in Rio, was just phenomenal to watch, you know, mm. offloading every time. And if you look at the stats, actually, he, what did I see? He ran 16 times and offloaded 10 times. Yeah, you know, so like every time he could get the ball a bit, get the ball away. Um, and then Penny Ravi, the, the tight head prop, was just monstrous. You know, he was everywhere and, and really effective. So I really enjoyed watching them play, which was great. Yeah, you're right, a good good win in the end. But, you know, we scored those first two tries after in less than 10 minutes, and it wasn't until probably the 50, 55th minute that we, we got over the try line again. So that was concerning, acknowledging the effort in the Fiji defence. You know, it's 
first test, so there's not too much into it, and, and a lot of new combinations there. You know, Guinea coming back to Australia for the first time, in, you know, since last year, mm. and chucking straight in there. The new centre combinations, locking combinations, even even props. I think that was just the second time Alavatoa had started, and first time Robertson had started. So uh, a lot there, and Tatafi. I can't remember the last time he started. So a lot of new combinations, which is which is you know always a challenge. Um, but you know, I want to see a bit more, and you know, I'm, I'm quietly a little bit worried about this weekend. But um, I guess a decent start. Well, look, the thing that I think, uh, if you want to be a Debbie Downer, there, Reg, um, but okay. I'd have to agree with, is that that middle forty was a was a worry. Um, yeah. And we think we got stuck in our territory. And actually, if you look at the stats, I mean, Fiji came up um, pretty solidly in terms of both you know territory and possession. If I'm if my memory serves me correctly. I'm just getting the uh, stats open here. Yeah, like, you know, 57% possession, um, 62% time in, in the opposition half. You know, that's from Fiji, um, you know, who you don't usually associate with, you know, solid set piece or anything like that to, mm. you know, to hold on to territory and, and or, or kicking game and those sorts of things. So, you know, from that perspective, I think that is a bit of a worry and it's that whole thing, that, that whole Waratah and Wallaby problem that we had last year, which is, you know, kind of getting stuck trying to run stuff out of your own half um, and not being able to exit properly. And I know that's something that's really... I could see the comment on the on the website, you know, a lot of it around Foley's kicking and being able to get us out, you know, get us out of trouble um, was a bit of a worry. The, the other thing also seemed to be that at breakdown time... You know, in that middle 40, I don't know if there was like a, a like a turnover that we managed to affect, like a pilfer. We just seem to be missing that. It's that sort of circuit breaker that like, um, you know, like a Pocock well, poke could always bring. Well, that said, mate, you've given me an, a lovely little uh, segue into into my point because um, the statistic that I like um, out, of, out of the game um, is the amount of penalties we conceded. We conceded six penalties. And that is the lowest amount of penalties we've conceded since the quarterfinal of the Rugby World Cup. Um, and actually, really? doing the okay. statistics on the numbers last year, we were averaging averaging around 12, 11 or 12 penalties a game. So we've halved our average from last year. And Michael Checker in the post-game interview seemed to suggest that that was actually a tactic, that um, he was wanting to become less combative at the breakdown in terms of in defence and, and get our hands on the ball there and uh, fan out more and leave the pilfering to uh, people that can actually do it, which doesn't seem to be that many people in our team at all. So, <laughs> look, I, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that you can see, but I can see both sides of it because, yes, it's, we didn't have any, um, any pilfers um, as we'd like to traditionally see as Aussie rugby fans, like a guy like David Pocock over the ball. But at the same time, we, didn't, we barely conceded any penalties and that was one of the reasons why the Fijians couldn't get in the game because, yep, they had the ball a lot, and yep, they're in our half a bit, but really, they how how many of those minutes were actually spent threatening our try line? I, uh, barely yeah. any. And yeah. you know, last year we saw it all too often where we'd give away a penalty, a stupid penalty, someone you know fall on the ball or or try and grab the ball in the ruck, and either we'd give up three points or we'd be down in the corner defending our own line. And I think it was really pleasing to see that it looks like we've learnt some lessons from last year. And and we're, um, you know, yep, you know, you lose a bit in maybe not getting that one or two turnovers more that you would get. But at the same time, I think you're coming out uh, better overall in not conceding those cheap points. And that was why at half time to go in, even though Fiji had the better of that last 20 minutes of the half, they they still went in with a zero on the scoreboard because we just didn't give them anything to work with. Yeah, Reggie, Debbie Downer. 
<laughs> no, mate, that's a that's a great point, and I I'm I'm probably with you, mate. If 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 you had a choice of which one, you know, you want that hard over the ball going for those turnovers versus you know discipline and, and low penalty count. I'd like that low penalty count, and particularly being a Reds fan and what we've done this year. But I I think that's I think that's great. I mean, credit to Richard Hardwick. I, you know, he came on the field late in the, for his debut and and got a pill for pretty damn quick. But you're right, I don't think there was much. But I hadn't picked up the penalty correlation, which is a which is a good one. I guess you know if if I can play the Dana card again, and just from an expectation, and I guess one of the challenges that the Aussie teams have had in Super Rugby this season is um, the ability to play the eighty, and, and, and which is you know a tough call these days, the intensity of the game. But you know that as you said before, Matt, that middle forty or whatever, we were just almost not quite coasting, but we just we couldn't lift the intensity, and that's that's my concern. You know. You started at the gate, fantastic, but you've got to keep it going. And sure, it's dependent on, on how you control the opposition, but we, we just didn't stick with it. We couldn't raise it. We couldn't keep that momentum going. And that's, that's you know, we got away with it versus Fiji. Scotland will be tougher. But, you know, once we hit New Zealand and, and South Africa and the like, it, it's, it's, we need that. We can't afford to, to drop for a minute or two because they'll, they'll, they'll hurt us hard. Mm, indeed. Um. All right, well, let's look at some individual performances then. And, and, and I guess your standout um, individual Wallabies performance, I can't remember who I went to first here. And I know you guys battle all day, but I'll go to Hugh, mate. Who's your standout individual? Oh, you just stole them, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, there's a few, there's a few good uh, standouts, I think, Reg. But look, the one guy I'm going to give it to, just because, you know, I think I see a lot of myself in him, is uh, Adam Coleman. You know, big, strapping second rower who just, you know, really physical in contact and, and, you know, skillful as well. I mean, he, he... he has a dis- disregard for his own body that I, I I love watching, and I wish more of our forwards had that. I think this could be a huge season for him if he keeps by building on this form. The offload he threw to Scott Higginbotham yeah. to set up the second try was was absolutely beautiful. He saw that a mile off, he created the gap, and then he put Higgers into it. It was sensational, and you know he's got the line out work going pretty well. Um, and look, he's just a he's he's quickly becoming a leader in our pack, and and um, I can see him, you know. Uh, laying the foundations for a, for a long Wallaby career because I thought he was fantastic. Mm. Yep, good one, Matt. What about you, mate? Well, look, I'm going to go down, keep with that theme of work rate um, and who put a lot of work in. Um, Coleman, 16 tackles, 16 tackle attempts, only missed one, um, which was you know quite amazing. I think um, I'd have to agree with you. I think he put an amazing amount of work in. Um, then the other other people that you know, I the next person I have to give mention to there, um, and this is going to make a few people fall off their chairs. Scott Higginbotham, 15, yep. 15 tackles for one miss. I thought he played a much tighter game um, and gave a lot to the team. I thought that was fantastic to watch. Um, and you wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, Hooper next down the thirteen with three misses. Um, but then the next one in terms of. I thought he was absolutely everywhere. Now, I wouldn't say it was always effective, um, but he put a hell of a lot in. It was Carmichael Hunt. Mm. 12 tackles, two misses. And, uh, you know, watching the game both live and, and actually watching it in replay, I just remember remarking to someone, he was in absolutely everything, and he was. Um, and he was quite often getting his hands on the ball, but then releasing. So he, he did a, quite a lot of slowing. I think he might have got pinged, yeah, he got pinged once. Um, but, yeah, he... He did, you know, a hell of a lot there. Um, 
and then you know, as far as you know, putting effort in with runs, um, I thought Hannigan, who was a little bit, you know, maybe didn't quite have the impact yet, which you might not be surprised. You know, it's at, at the international level, he's still got a bit of developing to do, but he you know, put seven runs in there and made a few yards. So, you know, just going with you know, who was putting the hard yards in there, I think thought those picks really stood up. Yeah, good work, Matt. Good for narrow down your individual Wallaby performance just to, to six <laughs> players there. That really, did I hit really? Hit Reg? I just wanted yeah, to you, sure you, one. You, you picked my second, third, fourth, and fifth option there too. So, no, I appreciate that. Look, uh, you, yeah, you named them all. Not much more to add. I thought they were all. I agree with you, Hugh Common, fantastic. Hunt was a, a big one in my mind. Um, uh, and Higginbotham in particular. Look, Falau, I'll go just for the sake of saying it, and, and I, you know, I was one who suggested he shouldn't be in the Wallaby team, but it was great to see him running free and and uh, actually doing a bit of footwork involved, not just finishing finishing balls, um, his, his finish, finishing tries. You know, his line onto Foley's pass, which was a great pass in itself, but also just some of the free running stuff out wide was great too. But I thought all those names you mentioned there were uh, were pretty much bang on. I liked Alan Alatoa's work early mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, missed missed a few tackles. Look at those stats there, Matt. Made five, missed five, which is a mm-hmm. concern. I didn't actually pick that up during the game, but I, I thought he looked really good in that game. Um, curious to see what changes they might make for Scotland. I hope he gets another start. But again, you wouldn't be surprised if Kepi comes in too. So look, yeah, um, a lot of good performances there. And, and, and note those debutants and Hannigan Hunt, Hardwick, who we mentioned, and Joey Payal, who came on, didn't get much of a chance. But uh, yeah, all in all, uh, uh, you know, some really promising individual performances. And we'll see where it goes from there. But um, yeah, I, I think um, in, in the post-game interview, Checker really emphasised work rate as something that he's going for this year. And that, you know, I think it explains um, Higginbotham's well, you know, it's the weirdest game yeah, I've seen from him in that, you know, it's very unlike how he normally plays. But I was I was really impressed, actually, by him, and I, I think he, he might have cemented his spot. I mean, I like Hannigan. The guy I might like to see if given a run is um, to Lepetti Tamani. I just feel like just that brutality that we might have lacked a little bit, uh, in, especially in some of our ball carries. Mm. But, look, you can't say that... Um, too many changes are warranted after that effort. I might see Sakopi Kepu come back and, and maybe Scotty see how he's fit, but um, just to Rory deal with the, the Scottish scrum. Maybe Rory Arnold too. He looked good off the bench, but um, yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see. Well, I'll tell you who I had one or two question marks over in that, in that case. Um, yeah, Henry Spate, just, just a, there's just a few kind of errors, knock-ons, um, th- those sorts of things. Um, I don't know, and he just doesn't look I don't. I still get the worry. I worry when he's defending. Like, it, does he really know where he's supposed to be? All the rest of it. I mean, we all love him in terms of what we've seen the, um, the excitement machine he can be. But I'm just not sure we've seen it at international level. And I think sometimes the technicality of the game maybe gets to him a bit there. And then the other one is just, um, uh, you know, we all love him, and he scored. He scored a, you know, even scored a meat pie there. But um, oh yeah, <laughs> Stephen Moore. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's like he's got seven vertebrae that have infused. Um, he just, it's, he's a different player. I don't know for those last couple of seasons. Um, I don't know if he's doing a different fitness, if he's injured himself, if what he's done. But he just, you know, doesn't look. And he, he ran onto the field, and within about a minute, he, he was jogging. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really interesting. I just don't know. I, and so if you, you know, you read into it that obviously Flotter now starting there and Checker was, you know, on record saying, oh, yeah, Steve will 
really want to earn his spot back, which kind of sounded like I wasn't just resting him or doing anything else. Um, yeah, I, I, I wonder what the situation is there. That's an interesting one. Yeah, look, he, he looked at that first ball he dropped, obviously, too. And look, he hasn't been great for the Reds. He, he was pretty decent in the last couple of games, to be fair. Um, but uh, it, it'll be fascinating to see whether they give Lata a, a run this weekend. or I, I suspect more might start, but it, well, you know, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But yeah. he wasn't impressive off the bench there. So well, we'll, we'll see. Well, Lata will take care of that penalty count, mate. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back up at 12. Um, but we'll have a few pilfers to go with it. Um, anyway, yeah. All right, that... Yeah. That's the end of that question. But look, That's it. Yeah. But before, before we move on and, and get um, our guest speaker on, um, I do have a review, fellas, believe it or oh, not. Oh, right. Yep. Um, this, the, the review is entitled Great Banter, um, obviously a, a new listener. Um, but I'm not really sure what I call what their name is. So I don't know if it's if their name is Fat All Yours or Fatally Ours. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you can kind of read that either way. But, um, yeah, they say, love the banter and rugby discussion, but please turn the volume down on that god-awful intro and outro music. I don't know what you're talking about. Can we bring back the old Can we bring back the old intro music? I think the I'm heart not a fan. Goes a bit... Yeah, a I know. Can, I... can we get Craig Joubert back? You I go... thought he was all right. You guys are can so we... old-fashioned. Jeez. Can we throw it out to can we throw it out to our listeners if anyone's inspired to to do a new uh, intro for us? We'd, we'd love to. We'd yeah, love yeah to good idea. More. You'll get massive, massive fame <laughs> and recognition. Um, but um, anyway, surely we can get a bit of commentary from a classic Wallaby moment or something, something nostalgic. We can get in there. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll start saving up. <laughs> to try and I'm pay just... the rights. We'll get some great recording from us at the Scottish Test with the ambiance, yes. um, and everyone will want to listen to that over and over again. <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to find another review we had, but it was on Twitter. Here it is. Uh, stumbled on the podcast last week. Enjoyable listening. We'll make it a regular. David Vessels from the the Forsyth coach. So <laughs> yeah, I did see. We that. got a new fan. Yeah. Good, you, Dave. Yeah, right, you, Dave. I knew, I knew you had a rugby brain. I knew you were the best rugby brain in Australia, and it's just confirmed. Yeah. I had to burst your bubble there, boys, because it was the show. he did tag myself, Jamie Miller, and Steve, and it's uh, it was the week that you guys were off. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh god, he's gone now. He's not listening now. <laughs> we've, we've lost him. No, he, he's he, with yeah. He comes for the trivia, stays for the banter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. Let's keep going, boys. All right, so obviously we play the Scots this weekend, and back in November last year, most of you, uh, our long, loyal fans, would have remembered we had Matthew Hannay from the Thistle podcast on. So this week, we're joined from another Thistler, and David Leslie, welcome to the show. David, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having us on. Good to, uh, good to be back and uh, preview what's hopefully going to be the, uh, a third cracking game, but maybe we can get over the line this time. Yeah, well, we'll see. Let's get into that. And, and you know, we've got a couple of burning questions particularly relevant to you. And let's start with this test, mate. And why, why don't you tell us what we can expect from the Scots? Um, you know, touch on their game versus Italy and, and how you think they'll go against the Aussies this weekend. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think in the sort of just the context of like Scottish rugby, like since that game in uh, in November last year, you know, we've been on a, a pretty decent like upward curve. Like Glasgow did really well to get to the sort of quarters yep. of Europe. That's the first time that a Scottish team's got there for a while, you know, and um, we had a decent Six Nations beating Ireland and Wales. So there's an awful lot of excitement about this too. And I think that game against Italy last week just sort of showed that up. And um, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty crap um, Italy team, to be honest, you know, like they... And playing it out in Singapore in front of about five thousand folk in an empty stadium it wasn't. It was kind of a strange little like test match, but I think it showed an awful lot about what um, what Gregor Townsend, the new Scotland coach, is going to bring to the setup. You know, he's been he's been out in the press. He says, you know, I want to play the fastest rugby in the world, and you know, as a Scot, that is just like completely bonkers because yeah, <laughs> we're we're used we are used to you know like. The, the slowest possible sort of eight-man rugby, stuff it up a jumper, you know, like watching rugby for the last 15 years, that is what Scotland's been. But now we've got Gregor Townsend and he's off the success of Glasgow, sort of seems to be trying to bring a lot of that through the Scotland setup. And we saw that in it against Italy, you know, we managed to get on top of their pack pretty quickly. And we've got Finn Russell at 10, who's yep. this really mer- mercurial guy, you know, he's, um, and when he gets on the front he can just make stuff happen, and he scored. He set up a couple of absolute, absolutely class tries against Italy, and um, we generally looked really good, um, which was really comforting. You know, Italy is usually the dead rubber and the, the, wor- the worst game in the Six Nations traditionally, and for so long, you know, we were eking out victories or losses, pretty much fifty-fifty. You know, um, but now we seem to get we're we're moving on from that. We've changed our style of rugby, and we we're really sort of um, we're really beginning. To put Italy to the sword with this new sort of uh, this new sort of bit more exciting brand of rugby, which obviously Vern Cotter set the um, very much sort of set the ground stones for. But um, you know, ahead, ahead of the weekend, it's um, I'm feeling good about it. I think um, we've got. Uh, I think we'll bring in a couple a couple of changes. Yeah, so um, I was curious. I Johnny, what, what do you think the changes will be to that team? The, the Grey Boys are they both on tour? Um, no, Richie. Richie's not on on tour. He um, he's picked up. Uh, I think he's got a knee knock, but he's not uh, he's not playing. So he's either. I hope he's back in Scotland and not doing his rehab down in Toulouse because I'm not sure that French teams do rehab very well. But, <laughs> no, um, no. So um, you know, Johnny Johnny, I expect will come in. He was left out last week just because he's. Uh, I think you know he plays. 80 minutes for Glasgow whenever they're playing and 80 minutes for Scotland whenever they're playing. So I think it was a decent opportunity to give him a rest and. Um, and like quite interesting, Ben Toulis, he's, in a, he's an Aussie yep. bloke actually, now yep. playing for Scotland. His, his brother's sort of, uh, I think he's injured, but he's contracted to the Rebels. So he had a yeah, he is coming yeah. in. But um, I think Ben, Ben's, a, I, I've been pretty critical of him in the past, but he's had a great season for Edinburgh and he had a good game last weekend. So, um, but I think I, you can expect to see Johnny Gray coming in there um, in the second row. I would expect um, Fraser Brown to maybe come back in at, at Hooker. Um, because he is a, he's a far superior player to Ross Ford, but it'll be a decision made there as to whether we want Ford's probably about 15, 20 kgs heavier than him, so he just offers a little bit more stability in at scrum time. So they may they, they might stick with that, but I'd like to see Fraser Brown coming in because he's a much better ball player. Um, and I'd expect to see Hamish Watson coming in in the back row. There'll be a bit of a shuffle there, um, you know, and I think that's a really exciting area because Hamish Watson and versus Michael Hooper that is a that's a class matchup two very similar players both these sort of rough and tumble aggressive scavengers really abrasive when they get on the carry you know like 
it's it's amazing sort of you know when michael hooper sort of takes it into contact and you think he's got absolutely no right to be beating that man <laughs> or to not be going down like i feel the same when i watch hamish watson he's like um he's a young, young guy coming through made a really good impact in the six nations so i would expect those to be your changes um mostly in the pack i think the back line is pretty settled and obviously we're missing laidlaw hog and seymour mm. away with the lions so yep I, I think it's. I can't see bigger changes than people just coming in to fill those roles. Yeah, so Hugh, mate, I want to go to you here because you know, when we talked about this test series, David, when we've heard this June schedule be announced and we had Fiji and Italy, we sort of scoffed, and then we thought, you know, Scotland, are, you know, uh, 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 have been recently giving us some big challenges, but middle of the lines tour, we thought, um, you know, they might be a bit of a B team, but as it turned out. You've only missing the three players, and and it's a pretty fired up Scottish yeah. team. It'll, it'll be a different challenge for us, don't you expect you? Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, we were we were probably cheering for more Scots to be in the last yes. squad, weren't we? Yeah, <laughs> bloody Warren Gatlin. I think we all were. And, and, yeah, well, we'll get to that next 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 question, but it hasn't served it particularly well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, they're three class players that, that Scotland are without, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if you took the three best players from the Wallabies, we'd be affected. But it seems like uh, Scotland weren't too badly um, affected against Italy, and and I think in years gone by, we've seen the Scots as as um, you know, certainly our bogey team, but you know, broadly speaking, on in world rugby, probably not the force that they that they once were. But but looking at them now, not only are they our bogey team, but but they're everyone's. I mean, they're a legitimately classy side. Um, you know, I'd say in the top six, um, probably top six teams in the world, and their really strong performance against us in the November internationals, where we only just eked out a win, um, was was backed up in in later games and and backed up through the Six Nations. So look, I think. I think we're in for a real game this week and it's going to be a real step up against Fiji and, and it, it's a good thing for our guys and um, hopefully we, we can see some improvement coming coming into that, uh, c- coming out of Fiji and into Scotland because, um, you know, as I think someone said that we haven't beaten them in Australia for 13 years. Um, Man, we, haven't, which, we, we haven't played them in Australia this decade, just that one game in Newcastle. <laughs> but, <laughs> always helps the stats, but yeah, it's interesting. We call them a buggy team, man. And it's, I think that almost undersells it. I mean, we have won three of our last four, but you look at the quality of the encounters, and and they could have gone either way at the end. You know, that last year that was Kurandrani getting over the line in the last couple of minutes. Obviously, the World Cup win, which will will try to steer clear of David. That's probably still hurts a few yeah, people over there. I've, I've managed to I've managed to black that out of my memory. <laughs> Yeah. Then there was another one in 13, which we only won by six points. And then obviously you go back to Newcastle in uh, in 212, which was a 9-6 win to Scotland. So, you know, nice, tough encounters. You, you'd expect the same this weekend, Matt. Do you think it might open up a bit? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, you know, hearing what, you know, as David was saying about um, with Gregor Townsend's, uh, you know, his whole style that he's bringing. By the way, he's a big follower of the site. Um, yep. Gregor, um, and uh, at one stage he even used to listen to the podcast, I think. So um, yep. ah. I, I'm sure he's got better things to do. <laughs> at, at one stage, then he came to his senses and realised yes. he was <laughs> At one stage, the first 20 seconds of the first podcast he listened to, um, <laughs> and before he turned it off. But so yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating because look, I'm not sure it'll be. It's an interesting one, which is to say, are, is Australia more worried about a team that plays free-flowing rugby, or are we probably more worried about a team that grinds us down into an arm wrestle? Um, I'd probably say 
you know, I would have said the latter. Um, yeah, it's more, yeah. more likely to be a trip up yeah. for us. Um, you know, somebody, somewhere with a little bit more space, we probably feel a little bit more comfortable with. Uh, I used to say that, you notice the, the inflection in my voice, that was before our defence turned to crap. Um, over, over, over the last year or so, last year or so. But I mean, I, I, one question I did have, David, just how how is Vern Cotter's legacy seen there? Because it seemed to be at one stage there with that Six Nations, you didn't know where it might end up, and yet, yet he was signing off. Yeah, I mean, it's I think everyone absolutely loves Vern, and it's, it's my my personal opinion that he, he should have stayed and taken us through the the next World Cup. But it, I mean, it was it was a pretty contentious issue. I mean, Townsend um, had 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 um, deals from France sort of on the table, and he apparently just went and slapped it down. And the SIU said, "Right, we'll give it to you." And I know Vern, having sort of uprooted his life, and his kids were in kids were in school in Edinburgh and stuff like that. He wasn't best pleased about it. But in terms of what he's done, you look at. A lot of these players that have come through, you sort of um, your Alex Dunbar, your Finn Russells, um, your Johnny Grays, and things like that. They are they are Vern Cotter players. They were all blooded on the. We had a very strange tour in 2012 to the US and sort of played a weird sort of quad tournament out there. And these lads who no one had ever heard of sort of came through under Vern, but very much so they've also come through at Glasgow under Gregor Townsend. So I think there's a continuity thing, but. Everyone loves Vern, and it's a shame. But I think watch out how good a team of Montpellier are going to be next year with him, him at head coach, and the amount of money that they've got. You know, so it's um, it's an interesting one. But on on the sort of style points, I mean, just on that little Italy game, this is a couple of bits that I noticed. I think we're going to see a lot more kicking from Scotland at the weekend, so it'll be interesting. And that sort of idea of a free flowing game. I mean. Izzy Falau is still in pretty decent touch for you boys. So, I mean, if there's loose kicks going in, I'm not feeling great confidence about that. Um, and also the other thing he's trying to do, it seems he's trying to push the passes away from just sort of one-up one up runners at the ruck time. He wants that contact area to be a bit wider to sort of stretch that. So um, I think those would be the, same, the sort of tactical changes I reckon you'll see a little bit more versus what you saw in November and again in the, in the Rugby World Cup um, in 2015. Yeah, really interesting that. And I know I think Checker was over there a bit for the Six Nations, so hopefully caught a bit of the Scots games. I'm sure he would have targeted. Because as we saw in the Fiji game, how we defended, we, we didn't commit anything to the to the ruck or the maul, the breakdown at all, sort of spread across the field. Um, yeah. I, I wonder how they attached, they approached this game, because they might have thought there might be a bit more direct contact in there and, and planning to, to muscle up there, but that may not be... Uh, what's required. Hey, David, another question for you. I mean, you talk about Gregor as a coach. The other one that's been there, I guess, for a few years now, he's very fond to many Australians, I guess more the Queenslanders' hearts, is Matt Tatsy-Taylor. Um, he's doing a lot of press out here at the moment because I guess he's the only accent we can understand. But how, um, yeah. how's he going over there? Yeah, do, doing, doing really well. Um, since he's been in the Scotland setup, the attacks has sort of has really, we've gone from, as you say, from a team that we used to just kick penalties. I mean, for about 10 years, I think Chris Patterson was the only person that scored points for Scotland. But now he's got um, we've got an attack that's scoring tries and things like that. So he's, um, yeah, no, doing, doing really well. Um, all right, Matt, we, we, we're going to go to the next question, but I, I want to get from you, uh, I, I guess, a tip and, and how, you, how you think Scotland will, can beat Australia in this game. Um, how I think we can beat you? I don't know. I think it's some, I think it's got to be, Taking taking opportunities, I think that's a a big sort of northern hemisphere thing. When you you get these games and you get maybe a sustained period of ten minutes or five minutes of pressure, and you 
you don't take the five or the seven and get away. Um, but uh, I think it, it's going to be an awful lot of that converting our chances. I think it'll be a pretty high-scoring game. I think as often is with these sort of summer or winter tests, depending on which side of the globe you're on, you know, defence is sometimes a bit optional. And I was a little bit worried, you know, we let in two late tries against Italy. So I think it will be quite high scoring. Um, but I think scrum time will be quite interesting. WP now has come back for us after a yeah. long period of neck, of neck injury. And um, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. You know, him being out has actually brought through a couple of the youngsters. We've got a guy called Xander Fagerson, who's uh, he's 21 years old, but he's played a full Six Nations and a full set of Ottoman internationals, which included Australia and Argentina. So that's that is proper, you know, cold face learning for a, a young tighthead. So um, I think we've got a good chance. You've got a couple of young, you've got a couple of young lads coming through in your front row there. So I think if yep. we can get a bit of, um, if we can get a bit of dominance there, maybe win some penalties at scrum time, play the um, play the territory game. I think I think Scotland can get a can can eke out a maybe a close win, seven to ten, seven point within within one score. I would say I'm going to back the boys to get over right. the line. Um, Hugh, I'll go to you and Matt. Just you know, we've talked about the Fiji game earlier. How do you feel about entering this one? You think we can um, continue? I guess our streak against the Scots. How do you see that playing out? I guess again, we don't know our team yet, but you feel confident going into this weekend, Hugh? I, I do. I I feel like we're um, we're building pretty nicely, and uh, and um, you know, as much as as much as we tend to make hard work of it against Scotland, we I, um, we do have a bit of confidence and a bit of a record. Um, now of getting the job done, even if it is close. So look, I think it'll be I think it'll be a close game. I think uh, David was right in identifying the scrum as, as something that's going to be really key. I mean, I do really rate WP Nell, um, and you know, obviously some of those other prospects sound pretty good as well. So we're going to have to really um, front up there. But look, I, I think if we do, we, we've probably got enough firepower to get the job done. But I think it'll it'll be close. It'll be less than ten points for sure. And and look, I think. You know, obviously, we're going to be there, and and I've got some really well-timed sledges that I think will affect the Scots' confidence at key moments. So, you know, I think that's that's the other thing to consider. <laughs> Mind games, mate. And Matt, what about you, mate? What's your feeling for the weekend? Well, it's not slated to um, piss down sideways, so I think we've oh, got lovely. I think we've got a good chance. Um, yeah, look, I could probably go with Hugh's um, assessment there. I think, um, look. This, the Scots all, I think they don't fear us, that's for sure. So I, yeah. think, I think they'll go in and they'll have a, give it a good run around. Um, I think they could really push us. I, see the bit where they might, you know, if um, WP Nell gets on and plays some shenanigans in the scrum, who knows what might happen. Who, who's the ref, by the way? Does anyone know? I think it's Wayne Barnes, is it not? It might yeah, be. well, he was on Fox Rugby tonight, so that would yeah. make sense. Well, we like Wayne uh, Barnes. Decent. Eh? Yeah, um, look, I, I, reckon, uh, yeah, I reckon us by a score as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the same. So it's pretty predictable there for you, Dave. You pick the Scots, we three Ollies with the Aussies. So, um, <laughs> yeah, well, we it can sounds see. like it's going to be tight anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think we all agree on that. It should be a, a cracking game. Mate, let's move on to the qu- next question. And broader than the Scots now, it's the Lions. I, I guess the question is broadly, where are the Lions sit now? Is it panic stations yet? Say so four games in, we've just had the Highlanders game tonight as we re-record, and the Highlanders scored a, a, a narrow victory mm. with a late. Uh, late penalty, but it's now four games, two wins, two losses. What's your reading, mate? How, how do you feel about the Lions' chances moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of had mixed feelings ever since we've been going through this. I mean, going back to the sort of the squad selection, I think a lot of, like many Scots, we felt pretty bruised that, you know, 
we beat Wales by 20 points in the Six Nations, but they get they get they get 15 lads in the squad, and we only get two in the original. And then Laidlaw called up. So I think from there on in, but you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Lions. So you get behind the boys. I think my my biggest concerns um, are, you know, with Rob Howley as the attack coach. I think they're really going to struggle to score enough points to beat New Zealand. Like you guys know, better than any Northern Hemisphere team, that you've got to score three, maybe four tries if you're going to have a chance to beat to beat New Zealand. And I thought that some of the press following the Crusaders game, which was really, really sort of lavishing praise on the on the Lions for sort of you know stopping the Crusaders scoring points, kind of missed the point in that you know we only managed to get sort of twelve, we only managed to get four kicks over there, and I just think you know. If the it seems that Gatlin's strategy is going to be to play you know very abrasive up front um, rugby and try and kick kick the goals, play hugely territor- territorially, and I just don't think they're going to be good enough to to do that well enough against the All Blacks to stop them scoring three four tries a game, and I, I just worry that there's going to be uh, that they're not going to be able to, um, to to get to to match that, and so that's I think. You know the, the Highlanders' results a bit, is a bit of a shame. There seems to be a little bit of um, they seem to lose concentration a little bit in the in the closing in the closing period. You know we had a chance to really good opportunity to steal it at the death against uh, the Blues last week, and it was just a shambles at the line out, which you get you know from a scratch squad. But I think the really I think if that's that seems to be the, the strategy of Gatland is to be you know take them on up front and, and play play possession, kick corners, and kick goals. And I just, I just don't think it's going to work against New Zealand. And um, but we'll see what's. I think you'll see the test squad or whatever, whatever Gatlin's got in his mind at the moment as your test squad. You'll see on Saturday against the Maori. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, that'll be a fascinating team. Because you're right. So this is the last Saturday before there's a Chiefs midweek next week, yeah. which will you'll, you'll be the midweekers, and then obviously the first take, first test on that the 24th of June. Yeah. So see the Maddies aren't you know, you know Damien McKenzie in there, you know Kira Aoni, Liam oh, Neeson. No. I mean it, it's just Terera. Did you just say Liam Neeson? Did you just say Liam Neeson? Yeah. No, Meeson. <laughs> I say Meeson. Mason, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did too. Sorry. That's why people. That's why people tune in. I tell you. That's why they. That's why yeah. cricket towns and the big fan of my pronunciation. It's going to be take, <laughs> taken five. It's Liam Neeson. <laughs> um, but regardless of who's playing, um, it, it, yeah, that Maori side will be a tough contest. But it, it'll be interesting to see how that Test unit lines yeah. up. Is Stuart Hogg out of the team now? Who do you reckon will be fullback? Will they pick half Benny? Or yeah. No. I think I think that's a, that's a massive trouble area. I would say that you know, looking at Gatland, he's likely to revert to type. He'll, he knows Lee Halfpenny, trusts Lee Halfpenny. I mean, he's not been on great form, and I don't think he's in the sort of form that's going to strike any fear into anyone. But his strengths are, you know, that positional covering, um, which will hopefully, you know, when you're going to come up against a kick, a very, very sort of creative kicking game of Bowden Barrett. You know, you want a 15 that's really sort of got got his head screwed on and that sort of um, when he's at fullback. So there's an opportunity there. But I think for Gatlin, the back line's not really come together for him. You know, um, there's still big question marks over who's going to play at centre um, and on the wings because nobody's really sticking their hands up there other than Ben Teo. Ben Teo, who's fairly untested at this level, you know, like a couple... He was a bench option for England during the Six Nations. And yeah, he's played well for the Lions, but... Is he is he good enough to sort of line up in that twelve jersey against New Zealand? That's sort of big big questions. And um, Gatlin sort of first 
to pick for a 13, you'd expect to be Jonathan Davis. And he got concussed and had to come off. So he's only had sort of 10 minutes of rugby on this tour um, after a pretty patchy season of being injured as well. So there's a lot of question marks. So it'll be interesting to see not only who he picks for this Saturday and that sort of particularly in the centres and in that back three, but how they go, because there's a lot of them that are really scratching for those jerseys. Well, because George North isn't exactly setting the world alight either, is he? Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not the same George North that you guys got in 2013, you know. He's been absolutely, he's had a torrid time, just gets concussed every time, you know, he, he gets out of bed in the morning at the moment, it seems. So he's really struggling to get some form and he just looks, he just looks, he's a, he's a massive bloke and when he's not fully firing, he looks lumbering rather than he looks sort of really dynamic. So um, it's, it's, it's really fascinating, the back line. I think, I think the pack will probably pick itself, really, um, once you see it this weekend. It'll be interesting to see whether... Itoje manages to take that jersey off um, Alan Wynne Jones yeah. um, for the start, but um, yeah, it's the, this Saturday you'll see that you'll see that sort of idea of the test team coming through. Hey, and I'm not one. And David, I don't know if you've caught on to this. We're not one for promoting other podcasts, of, of course, other than the, <laughs> the thistle and the egg chases. Yeah, but course. mate, the, the Five Live Rugby Weekly program. Um, uh, they did a retrospective look at the 2005 Lions tour to New Zealand, basically saying what yeah. went wrong. That was yeah, fascinating. Sir Clive, Matt Dawson, um, Don Shaklin. It was just fascinating. Leveland uh, listening to see how and how adamant Sir Clive was that he, you know, he would not change a thing, yeah. and pretty much how adamant everyone else was at how wrong it all was. Yeah, I, was, I listened to it as well. I mean, I. Can't. I suppose I was going to say I can't believe Clive Woodward said that, but I don't think Clive Woodward has ever said yes. anything that would make me <laughs> doubt the fact that he's an arrogant bloke. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's just. But it was interesting to hear that the like the players really going like quite hard at him and stuff like that, and just saying you know this was an absolute shambles. And uh, but I think Gatlin, to be fair, you know he's got he's got that sort of lines in his blood. He loves it, and he's yep. sort of being the assistant in 2009, the head man in 2013, like. All of this sort of chat from all those tours has been that he keeps people in the mix, you know. Like he keeps that very much that tour atmosphere. He gives everybody. He says, "Listen, you're going to get 80 minutes before I make a choice. There's going to be three games, and all of you are going to get a start." So, I think that's what you need to do. And then um, it's. I think when they beat the Crusaders last week, Alan Wynn said, "You know, this is a, this is a 41 man, a 40 man, one man victory." Which, you know, it's nice for the TV cameras, but I think from this group, it seems that there probably is a little bit of that as well. So, um, yeah. but no, I mean, are you guys, are you guys enjoying it? Do you, do you love the Lions when it, come, when it comes around? Oh, it's, it's great at the moment, David. We've got rugby on a Tuesday night. You know, that's the best part, coming <laughs> home and, and, yeah. and, see, and, and watching this top, this top quality football. And, and um, look, I, I can't wait for the test too, because, you know, obviously... Um, Obviously, we've had a bit of a down season yeah. here, and I think we're, yeah. it's good to escape and not really have too much skin in the game. Because, really, from my perspective, you know, it's 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 a win both ways. If we see the Kiwis lose, then great. But also, if we see the the Brits generally, well, mainly, you know, I don't like Warren Gatland or the English players, but uh, yeah. so, you know, to see them on the end of a join the club, together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But uh, I've got to say, I did take a lot of pride in seeing old sullen-faced Warren Gatland after the loss tonight. He is sucking at you. <laughs> <big head>. um, <laughs> no. But quickly, Reg, my one point was, um, doesn't this tour so far really validate what we spoke about with Ben Darwin 
in terms of, you know, continuity is king in rugby. And we're seeing these super rugby sides that, yeah, look, they're not, they're not the, you know, they've, they've got a lot of class and they're New Zealand super sides, so they're, they're almost international quality anyway. But they're, they're, they've been together all season, you know, some of them for two or three years even. And they're coming up against players on paper who are, who are better than them but just clearly don't have that continuity and don't have those combinations. And we saw it again tonight with the Highlanders getting up over the, over the lines. And, and just when, you know, the game was in the balance with about 20 minutes to go and, and the, bench, the bench players start to come, come on and the Highlanders guys were pulling, pulling blokes out of the ITM Cup and the Lions guys coming on were, you know, guys like I think Joe Marler came on and, and, and uh, um, yeah. you know, some really good classy players coming off the bench. Uh, Henderson and Henderson, and and you know they were being outplayed by these by these unknowns, and and I, I, it just shows you that the, the value of those those combinations and how you know I, I don't think it is panic stations yet for the Lions. I think we'll I think they've got time to come together, but they're going to have to do it pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with that on the panic stations, and I think you know these are these are these are proper proper tests they're getting. You know, like they're still they're still getting those combinations sorted, but these are real matches they're getting. I think you look oh, at yeah. particularly the the provincial side you play in South Africa when you're on a Lions tour. Like there's a lot of lot of like pretty dross like scratch sides there. Um, but these, as you say, these are the super franchises, and a lot of the All Blacks are still playing. So it's uh, I think it's it's not great that they're losing, but um, I think in terms of preparing them for the sort of type of rugby and the and, and the physicality what they're going to face coming test match level it's it's, it's pretty good prep for the guys mm. yeah um, it is and you, yeah, go Matt sorry mate oh no I was just going to say I mean I, I, I think that whole you've got this titanic struggle at the moment of what it would seem to be on face value of the different I don't know ethoses of rugby there I mean in that Crusaders game which was a real kind of you know choking with defence um, type approach yeah and um, I think it's just going to be I'm gonna, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what actually happens in the tests because I thought the key for example with the Blues with Sonny Bill was that everything was okay and I thought the Lions had it all under wraps just until there was that crazy offload and then you know all of a sudden yeah. it through and it was at the wrong end of the, the of the game and everything else and that's the bit that's going to be interesting to watch because you just know that yeah. amongst that all black backline you know that that's going to be happening multiple times throughout the game and it's just whether that dominance maybe in the set piece and you know tight defense can it really wear that down for 80 minutes that's going to be absolutely fascinating and, and, but that was Ireland's success, wasn't it, in Chicago? And again, you know, we, we could go on all the time, but they, they scored points early. They knew the All Blacks would come back, but they had scored enough points early and they kept scoring the occasional try to keep ahead. That's, the point scoring is so critical against the All Blacks. You know, let them score yeah. their 34 as long as you score 40 sort of thing. So, but that's, you know, that's a challenge in itself. So massive, massive um, challenge for the Lions. All right, David, we're going to let you go, mate. We know it's middle of the day over there or, or sort of late morning. I really appreciate you giving up your time for us. Um, and yeah, not, not to worry, lad. Remind all our listeners to uh, get onto the Thistle podcast and follow the guys on social media. They're on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. So, Dave, thanks a lot, mate. Enjoy the game this weekend. Or I guess the games, the Lions as well. But uh, yeah. we, uh, the, the Welsh, the Wallabies versus Scotland Test most particularly. Yeah, it's a five, it's a five, uh, five, in the morning, five in the morning start for us um, against Australia. So looking forward to that one. Excellent, mate. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you again soon, mate. Good stuff. Cheers, guys. Thanks Thank a lot. David. Bye. So what's thanks, number, David. So what's number five here, Reg? You, you, you're taking us on. 
<laughs> so this is, mate, we, we, it is the international test window, mate. So we thought we might just broaden our scope and, and look at the other international performances that caught our eye uh, this weekend, or this weekend past. So, um, Hugh, did you have uh, anything else that you saw on the weekend, at least from a result perspective that you found interesting? Well, actually, I, I happened to watch... Um, South Africa against France. Oh, right, um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I recorded it not expecting much, and I just put it on in the background as I was doing some chores, and, and it turned out to be a pretty watchable game, actually. The South Africans have picked a side that is, um, you know, I think um, very, very free-flowing and taking on what mm. the Lions have been doing the last couple of years, and, and uh, some of those, some of those um, real live-wire backs that they've picked, and Elton Yunch, he seems to be coming of age. The one bloke that I will call out as a guy that, to be honest, having not followed much South African rugby for the last year or so, I hadn't heard of, but he was bloody sensational, and, and uh, I think he's going to terrorise us this year. A bloke called Malcolm Marks, the who hooker. is a hooker. Yeah, fantastic, hooker. yeah. And every year the Saffirs seem to do this, just pull some, some um, Dutch duchy uh, that is just an absolute monster of a human being. And um, look, I'm, I'm becoming, a, yeah, becoming a real Marxist, Reg, because he's, he is an absolute, <laughs> uh, absolute gun. He's, he was just running over blokes. He, he just could not be stopped. And, and look, France made a pretty good game of it. Yeah, I think it was 16-14 at one point, and you thought the French might make a run, but the, the Saffirs really kicked away and ended up, I think, winning by sort of almost uh, 25, 30 points. And, and look, they looked like after a horror year last year that, that they might be starting to starting to pull it together. So, um, yeah, little, some worrying signs of form there from the Saffirs. But uh, I've got to say that they, they, they uh, might prove to be a real challenge for us come rugby championship time. Yeah, yeah it's scary because they, they were terrible. Yeah, they were terrible last year, so it's interesting to see that. But Marks, you mentioned, and I, and I know this because of my intimate knowledge of fantasy super rugby this year, is that um, I think Chris Latham currently has a record for most tr- games, sorry, uh, for tries in consecutive super rugby games. I think it's seven games in a row he scored tries. Marks almost equal. He got six tries in a row. Well, tries in six consecutive games this year. So it's, I, I think a lot of those are the back of the ruck. But he's a tremendous worker, as you say, and uh, very efficient there for um, South Africa in the weekend. So good to hear. Um, the, the one I wanted to mention was the Argentina-England game. So obviously this is England very much B team, possibly even the C team. Still with a bit of quality there. Our, our mate Mike Brown at, at the back, yeah. But a lot of names you've seen sort of playing the Premiership. George Fall and uh, Danny Kerr, Nathan Hughes. A lot of names I hadn't heard of. You know, Mark Wilson, Charlie Elwes or Tom Curry, who's a, who's a young sort of breakaway. Dylan Hartley's there as captain, captain obviously. Um, but they got up over Argentina. Yeah, a last-minute try to their league recruit, uh, Denis Solomona, got them over the line, 38-34 in a test match. Um, so, you know, a couple of things there. Fantastic depth by the Poms. Um, but again, the Argentines, uh, you know, possibly underperforming. They've had a fairly terrible Super Rugby couple of seasons and uh, on the back of a, a really good 2015 World Cup. But going down to a second-string England team, they probably should have won at home. I, I found that quite... Quite surprising. And apparently, it was a cracker of a match. If you if you yeah. were, um, haven't actually done that. <laughs> well, you, you you want to talk about falls from grace, so to speak. After Argentina were in the semi-finals of the, of the Rugby World Cup and you know pushed us pretty solidly in that game, they they really haven't fired a shot, have they? Mm. I mean, that terrible. You know, the Jaguares have been pretty abject, and and they haven't really done much uh, on the field either. It's I'm not sure what's gone wrong because the players haven't really changed. No, no, I don't, exactly. Everyone feared, 
you know, for the worst of, of with Super Rugby and, and even uh, the Rugby Championship. But you're right, it, it just hasn't been produced. So interesting stuff. And, and, you know, some good Test Match Rugby coming up this weekend. I guess things tonight, there's a double header in Auckland when... Um, uh, Tonga play Wales and then straight afterwards New Zealand play Samoa. So New Zealand's first test, that'll be pretty much the B team as well. Fiji go over, go home to Suva and host Italy as Italy make their way over to Australia. Japan play Ireland. South Africa play France again. Um, USA play Georgia. Georgia's the other country that's sort of really stepping up. They're under-20 teams, which is pretty damn good. And Georgia beat Canada last weekend, so... Um, things are happening there, and then there's another Argentina, England game as well, as as well as well as many others. So you know, it's a great time for uh, international rugby this sort of window. I won't bother asking you, Matt, about which game caught your eye. I'm really happy with those. <laughs> well, obviously, I was riveted by the Japan uh, Romania yes. game. Yes, Romania game. Yeah, uh, where Japan <laughs> came in 33-21. There, um, yeah, that, that, that had me on the edge of my seat in the afternoon there on Saturday. I was actually yes, watching good. a set of the Aussie game. Uh, <laughs> I had to flick around the channels a bit to find it, but uh, yeah, I found it there on Men and Motors. <laughs> um, all right, that'll pretty much wrap us up. There's just a couple of news I thought we'd touch on quickly. Again, we'll keep you updated with the, the latest signings. Henry Hutchison, uh, the Aussie Sevens player, has signed with the Rebels. I think we heard that a while ago, but it's now officially um, been uh, announced. Uh, Will Genia has been released by Stade Francais officially as of today. So he'll be coming home to Australia. You can only assume he'll come to the Reds. I don't know what that means for Nick Frisby and James Tuttle. Maybe one of those will be released. Um, but I thought that was a pretty interesting step there. Um, Results-wise, the Aussie, Aussie under-20s lost to England under-20s last week, or was it earlier, late last week, in a, in a fantastic game, um, which is a real shame yeah, for them. They'll know. On the death, jeez. Yeah, and a great effort, and you know, I think one of the most promising things there is um, is you know, to see the coaching impact of Simon Cron. It's clearly something we've been challenged with in the previous under twenties is just um, how that team performs. But this team has, has looked okay, and we'll play for a playoff for fifth spot. I think uh, tomorrow morning, probably by the time this podcast comes out, maybe it's Thursday morning, but pretty soon we play Italy. I think so. Not a bad performance by the boys there. Yeah. I mean, um, you're talking about people coming back home, Reg. Just yeah, a yeah. bit of a left field here. What's the story with Beal? When, when's he coming back? Where's he coming back to? Do we know? Why isn't he here now? Is he's he... coming back to the Waratahs. He's been signed to the Waratahs. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. Am I, am I, is that wrong, Reg? Am I, am I... I, I, I think you're right, mate. Because he got he and he's, he and he is injured because he did yeah, play injured in the that... Premiership final. Yeah, exactly. Did his hammy or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean it's going. Um, that's going to really, you know, throw the cat amongst the pigeons. I think, obviously, for the centre pairings and all the rest of it, because I think they're saying he's potentially available for the bled. Is that right? Yeah, and I think that was the case. I got to play Guinea here and keep Bill for the, the rugby championship. So we'll see how he comes in there um, and where he fits. So, but I guess there's a few test matches and some Super Rugby before then. So I wonder if he could even get a gig in those last couple of Super Rugby games. Anyway, we'll see how that all pans out. Um. A couple other results. The Wallaroos lost their last two tests, big losses to England and New Zealand. Um, some promising aspects in both, but what it clearly showed is that, that the team aren't getting enough games together, so it's good for them to get that games prior to the World Cup a little later on. And, and look, in finishing, guys, it's worth... You know, it's not a sad... We don't like ending in a sad night, but it's obviously been a big um, event this weekend down in Sydney, in particular for the Warringah Rugby Club and the, the wider community and the the loss of one of their um, 
their players and Lachlan Ward, who who passed away on the field on the weekend. Now, uh, most of Australia rugby community would have heard about this. Lockie was the younger brother of Sam Ward, who many of us saw play some quality NRC games. But I guess on behalf of Green and Gold Rugby, just wanted to again express our best wishes to um, the families and friends, and obviously the the, the Warringah Club, a great club down there on, on North Shore. Uh, Sydney for um, their loss and we wish them the worst best and we know this is when the rugby community really steps up and uh, we're all there for you and thinking of you and uh, hope um, they all get the support they need and um, and get to this weekend and, and, and play a really hard game against whoever they're playing for the sake of Lachlan and his memories. So uh, we wish you well. Sad night to end on but plenty of great rugby this weekend uh, to enjoy and Matt and Hugh, we get together in person this weekend, Saturday at the Test. Looking forward to it. Indeed, uh, yeah. I hope you guys are bringing your um, drinking hats. It's going to be a good weekend, <laughs> I think. This is going to end up as another one of your stories at the start of the podcast. We're going to generate one, fellas, by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we're going to have to figure out how we do some sort of recording at some stage, so yep. everyone can get yeah, some we... live action podcast. Trying to trying to get a podcast with uh, Gregor Townsend going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up, guys. Matt and Hugh, thanks again for your time tonight. Good to see you, mate. Thanks, guys. To our listeners, we'll catch you next week.